Last week, when Mike was done with his message, I said, gee, that's part one. Part two will be next week, which is now. If you remember, Mike said, we want to be complete. Completeness was what he was talking about. Completeness in God is bringing ourselves to a maturity. And that's what we want, isn't it? I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 107 today, and I want us to look at the last verse, 43, in Psalm 107, where it says, Whoever's wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Whoever's wise, whoever's learned, whoever's prudent, whoever's teachable, will observe, will keep those things that he or she is taught in their heart. They will, he, they will guard them in their heart, protect them, watch over them, so that these things will always be in our heart, and when we behave, we automatically behave the things that we're taught. Whoever's wise will observe these things, and they will understand, they will discern what is being said. They will come to know it. And because of that, they will act wisely. So they will understand what? The loving kindness of the Lord. The goodness, kindness, faithfulness. We're talking about the character of God. We will come to know God personally by his character, who he really is. Does anybody here want to be wise and observe the things of God and understand the loving kindness of God? Does anybody here want that? Good. Let me pray over you right now. Pray over us all. Lord, I thank you that you have placed in our heart the desire to know you. And Lord, we can't figure you out and know you on our own. You have to reveal yourself to us. You've got to show us who you are. So that we know that we know that we know on the inside, spirit to spirit, who you are. So we ask you this morning, take preached words, place them in our heart, so that we will understand you. And how great and awesome you are. That's our prayer this morning, Lord. And we just expect that's what you're going to do because we know that's your heart. Thank you, Lord. We're here for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoever is wise will observe these things. What things? Well, the first 42 verses of Psalm 107. That's what this psalmist is talking about. So we have to look back on Psalm 107 and look at some of the things that the psalmist wants us to know. I'm not going to go through the whole psalm this morning. I want to focus on verses 23 
through 32. And the reason I came to this passage was somebody close to me said to me a couple months ago, my spouse said they were at their wit's end. And I said to myself, I've read that phrase before in the Bible. So I found it. And in looking at the verses that explain wit's end, I I just got a revelation from God about my own life. And I thought I would share that with you today because I believe, though the psalmist writes to the people thousands of years ago, it's for us, isn't it? Because the truth is the truth and it lasts forever. Let's start at verse uh, uh, 23 here. Those who go down to the sea in ships. Okay, we're talking about people whose vocation is something to do with a ship. Either they're on the crew of a ship or they're, as these people are, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters. Maybe these are business people who have to ship goods from one place to another. I don't know. But it's their calling. Their calling is to be on the ocean. Now, by extension, the psalmist is also talking to us because we have a calling too. It might not be on the ocean. In fact, I look around, don't see any sea captains here or crew members. But we have a calling, whether it's at a company, whether it's in a family, no matter where it is or what it is, each one of us has a calling. So those who go down to sea and ships who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, you see the works of the Lord. Many times our eyes glance past them so quickly, we don't think about it. We may even reject it. But we still see the works of the Lord, even though we don't give him credit for it. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. All around us, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, are the wonders of God. Is that true? Sure. I think it's Psalm 119 or 19. I forgot which one. God's works are so evident We can't miss it unless we purposely miss it. They're all around. Just as with these people on this ship. His wonders are in the deep. For he, God, commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves and the sea. Here these people are fulfilling their natural calling that God has given them. And a storm comes up. 
God knows there's a storm. These people know that sooner or later they're going to be in a storm. If you're on the ocean in a ship, you've got to know that someday you're going to hit a storm. In fact, it's part of their business. It's part of their life. It's coming one time or another. There's a storm. They mount up to the heavens, go down again to the depths. I have never been on a ship with those kinds of waves. I've been on a cruise ship, but my, my wife didn't like it. But it was nothing. These people, it's their business. And they're going like this. And what's their response? The end of 26. Their soul melts because of trouble. They faint is what the word means. They faint because of bad things happening. And these people know it's going to happen sooner or later. And they're used to it. This must have been some storm. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. I've never been on the deck of a ship when it's going like this and you can't even walk across the deck without getting sick. And that's for people who are used to it. I did have vertigo once. I was walking, minding my own business, down the hallway of my house and all of a sudden, boom, boom. Boom. I, I could not walk without smashing into the walls on both sides. So I know what it feels like, even though I've never been on a ship doing it. Now, what happens to these people right now at the end of verse 27? They are at their wit's end. They have come to their wit's end. I can't get over the fact that these guys are businessmen with ships. They know how to be on a ship. They're used to being on a ship. And they still get to their wit's end. But I want us to see that our wit's end doesn't have to be a crazy place. It's hard to get to your wit's end because something's happening. Wits end, having no skill or wisdom to help yourself. We get to the place where there's nothing we know or nothing we can do to get us out of this situation. We didn't get there through sin. We got there through Life. Life shows up and brings us to the place where we realize we have no skill or wisdom to help ourselves. The word actually means all swallowed up at my wit's end. I'm totally engulfed by my circumstances. There's nothing I can do about it. I am baffled, the word means. I'm just totally at a loss. There's nothing I know to do or say or think to get me past this situation. 
Anybody ever been there? The question is, what do we do when we get to our wit's end? That's the real question. Because if you're not at your wit's end right now, you will be sometime in your life. So what are we going to do when we get to the place where I have no skill or wisdom to help myself? I know what I do sometimes. The same thing I've always done. And I expect it to change the outcome. Do you know the meaning of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. It's insane. Why do we do it? I don't know any different. Well, if we don't know any different, and we know the outcome isn't going to change, maybe we should think about something else, doing something else. Lots of times we try something else. Guess what? That doesn't work either. I'm still at my wit's end. There must be a better way. My head, my forehead is flat from smacking my head against the same brick wall. Fortunately, the psalm doesn't end there. Let's go on to verse 28. Because when we get to our wit's end, we are not at our faith's end. In fact, we never get to our faith's end. So when we get to our wit's end, now we've got to count on our faith. So what's the first response to being at our wit's end? Verse 28. Joel said it. She stood right there a little while ago and said it. I cry out to you, Lord. Cry out. Well, that doesn't seem like a very helpful thing. It's not very practical. Shouldn't I be out there doing something? Yeah, you should be. Crying out. Cry out. Call for help in distress among the chaos. That's what the word means. I cry out to the Lord in my trouble. The word trouble means narrow straits. You've got to squeeze through. You can't walk through a narrow strait. Jesus uses that thought when he's talking about it's easier for the, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to be saved. But what's impossible for man is possible with God. Think of trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle. That's the kind of narrow strait we're talking about here. I cry out to the Lord in my narrow strait. I call out to him. And then I'm going to go do something. Because I know if I do something, I'll help God. That's not what it says. They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And He does something. Not me. 
He does something. What does he do? He brings them out of their distresses. That word bring out means not just to step away from a bad place. It means to go forward. To go forward. God is going to bring us to something. Not just away from something. He brings us out of these narrow, tight places. That's what he does. He brings us out of distresses. Now, how does he do it? Verse 29. He calms the storm. The Twilight Paris song. There is an ocean inside of me. Mostly the water is calm. Just enough breeze to keep me sailing. I feel safe and warm. Suddenly comes the churning sea. Those circumstances we didn't count on. We didn't cause. There's a churning sea. And what does God do? Peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. He calms the storm so that its waves are silent. When we are at our wit's end, we cry out to God. And he will calm the storm. Maybe not this second. Maybe not this minute. I may have to cry out to him every minute for the next ten days. I don't know. Because some of these tight places don't go away immediately. But he calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they're glad. These people now who are at their wit's end, they become glad. They rejoice because they are quiet. When we are at our wit's end, we have a tendency to get all stirred up on the inside. There's no peace in there. It's that churning sea. Then God speaks into the situation, into my heart, and brings peace on the inside so that I'm glad because I'm quiet. Then God can do the second part of verse 30. He guides them to their desired haven. He leads us to peacefulness. We end up in a delightful, pleasurable place. Maybe the circumstance isn't totally resolved yet, but I'm still in a delightful and pleasurable place because I know God is with me and he is taking care of the situation that I can't. Can you relate to any of this? 
Can you relate? Are you at your wit's end because there's a family member who is sick and it hasn't changed for months? Are you at your wit's end because one of your kids is making decisions that you don't want them to make? And there doesn't look like any hope that they'll do anything different. Are you at your wit's end because a family member is in a real tough place and you can't do anything about it? Are you at your wit's end as a parent and the more kids you have, the more chance you've got to be at your wit's end? (laughs) If you're at your wit's end, good. That's the best place you can be. You're no longer bashing your head against the wall. You've given up. You say, Lord, I'm at my wit's end. And God says, good, let me take it. Good, I have an answer. Good, I have the problem solved. Let go. So our first response was to cry out to God when we're at our wit's end. Here's the second response. Verse 31 and 32. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Second response. Thank God. Praise Him. Exalt the Lord. Where? In the congregation and the assembly. Oh, it's okay to do this in your bedroom. No no problem with that. But there is something different, something special about being with your family, the body of Christ, in the congregation and the assembly. There is a different dynamic when we praise God, exalt Him, thank Him when we are together. That's why, guys, our walk has to be more than just sitting in a pew on Sunday looking at the back of people's heads. You and I, we need to be together more often than that. So just just for a second this morning, because it says it right here in the Bible, I want to just, I'm going to play a song. And we're just going to praise God for a minute. Well, actually four and a half minutes. That song is four and a half minutes. Wherever you are in this scenario, if you're not going through a storm right now and you're not even close to your wit's end, Praise God. If you're being tossed around on the boat, guess what? Praise God. He's right there. If you're at your wit's end, praise God. 